0: Nine seconds into the ledger, Will. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. Tonight's Trader Lineup, Guy Dami, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, and Pete Najarian. Tonight on Fast, the chart master is picking Mayflowers. Carterworth is three stocks blooming with opportunity as we kick off a new month. We'll bring you the names, plus a Twitter takedown. The social media stock tumbling again today. It is now down nearly 20% in just a week. So should you buy this pullback? We'll debate that. And later, Pete is taking to the mound to pitch his next best idea, why he thinks a strong defense is the best offense. We'll bring you his top pick. We start off with a real rally in retail. Check out the moves in these names just today. Dillard's and Gap both closing up their highest levels in six years. Macy's and Nordstrom. Kohl's, too, also posting monster games as we kick off a new trading month. Time to add retail to your shopping cart. Guy Adami, what do you say?
1: You know, this is vintage fast money. We started in January of 07. You know what started in January of 07 at Home Depot? Frank Blake. I know he hasn't been there for hmm. seven years, but... I mention that because I know Petey used to talk about this over and over again. I know we've talked about Home Depot forever. All-time high today. I think it still rallies into earnings despite what people say on valuation. Another name we've talked about, I know Karen and Tim have talked about this as well, look at what FedEx has done. Now all of a sudden everybody's a bull in FedEx. You know, $40, $50 later, analyst upgrades. You know, you put a 20 multiple on FedEx, On the $20 they're going to earn, this is a consumer stock. It's a $400 stock. And, oh, by the way, the home builders, Lennar's been ridiculous. So other than the brick-and-mortar names that you mentioned, there are other places to be. And guess what, Mel? They still work. And I love the vintage fast money thing.
0: Always love that. we might as well throw pops and drops in there at some point. Um, You know what we have? uh, Generally, as a nation, we've got a lot of money in our pockets. We've Mm -hmm. got stimulus still to come, Tim. And does that set up here for... Um, this retail rally to continue, especially as we are reopening. You can actually go out and spend that money that you saved during this pandemic.
2: Yeah, I think so. But I, I think a lot of this has been priced in, let's be clear. Mm-hmm. So Guy does a great job of putting a, a retail status on a FedEx. I agree with that, by the way, the success that they've had going B to C, uh, very important. But but like a Macy's and a Nordstrom and even a Gap is, is a different story. These are broken companies that, that found a way through restructuring, to, to, through through COVID to, to accelerate restructuring. You, you know, Macy's had a 51 uh, 52% short interest back in last summer, July, August. Uh, it's now down to 13%. Nordstrom was in the 30s. It's now down to 8.5%. Uh, I think companies that were thought to be going out of business and, and, speculators were, were pushing the pedal to the metal, uh, in the worst of the crisis on these companies actually ripped people's faces off. So I think a lot of these trades, look, I, I've liked Macy's. It's been a long side position because I think that they've been converting to digital sales. The proportion of their, uh, of their new dollar of sales that's now digital is in the 40s. Uh, it, it's a great story from that regard. What's left? You're, you're really asking a question about uh, you know, to what extent will disposable income continue to be high, I think, well into 2022. And I think that's the question, because I think we've, we've priced in a lot of the reopening trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think real retail will outperform love home builders here, uh, excuse me, the home improvement stores around the home builders. Um, And and I think Home Depot and Lowe's continue to get uh, the benefit of the housing tailwind, uh, rates at zero, people buying against their homes. And yes, people staying at home still more than ever.
0: Have we priced in yet, though, Karen, the need to emerge from our cocoons dressed in an appropriate manner? (laughs) My guess. (laughs) That is a great question. I don't know. Of the four of you, At least two of you are wearing leisure pants of some sort, shorts, yoga pants, at least half of you guys. I I sense it. I sense it in my bones. So at some point you need to buy (laughs) proper pants or wear the proper pants that you had from two years ago.
2: That's aggressive.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That was my favorite thing I read in the Wall Street Journal this morning, that uh, people are buying pants with zippers and buttons over elastic and drawstring, <laughs> which is a metric I have expected for a while, but now we've actually seen it. And it came from L.L. Bean. So if you think the L.L. Bean customer has like, you know, said, all right, enough of this comfort pants situation. Maybe that's why Gap was up so much. If you think about, all right, I got to go buy khakis that, you know, zip or button maybe you go to Gap. I mean, so there is pent up demand for sure. We know that people either saved a lot, even if they were employed, they saved a lot. If they were unemployed, they do have stimulus checks. So the consumer is obviously alive and well, but it was just across the board. So if you look at names that were, uh, you know, like a Target or a Walmart, both up nicely today, even though you'd think, all right, maybe people want to rotate away from them. No, they just seem to just want to be spending everywhere. You know, I also looked at some of the mall stocks, the REIT stocks. Those are doing really well. Simon Properties doing really well. Even uh, Tanger had been as low as, I don't know, six or something. I think I saw it at 17 today. So the customer, the the retail buyer is out and about. Um, you know, I own TJX, which was up a little. I'd like to see it up a lot more. It's been particularly hammered by the pandemic because they have very little online business. It's really all, you know, well, Pete can tell you better than anyone about the hunt. Um, But I don't have things like Foot Locker, even though I do think getting a stimulus check almost directly goes into sneaker sales for some portion of the population. But it's it's nice that the retail investor is back. Yeah. Uh, And names like Ulta should have been better. Right. It wasn't. Pete, what do you make of this this rally? And is this
0: sort of going to be, do you think, the storyline of the markets, where we have this strong continuing rally in retail, and we still have, you know, the, these higher valuation sectors, semiconductors today got crushed, software continues to get crushed. Yeah. Is this the continuing trend here?
4: I tend to think so, Mel. And because of that, um, I've just continued to add to positions or adding new positions. As a matter of fact. Home Depot is a position that I just put on just about two months ago or whatever and, and I, I liked it because of all the reasons that they explained as they were going towards earnings and it really made a lot of sense to me and Tim talks about uh, a lot of the DYI guys that are going out there and all the home building and all the rest of it that fits into that program but digital sales, Uh, I mean, that's absolutely crazy. That's what Home Depot is. 45% of their sales are to the pros. Those guys have much bigger tickets. So they really are, really, as as much as we all bring up, hey, Lowe's is doing a great job in competition and everything else, and they are, they do not have the same type of of buyer that Home Depot still possesses. So I think that's really, really helpful. And then I look over at Target, another new high, all-time high. All it's done is explode to the upside. And, Mel, a lot of that was due to the fact that they did such a good job, both in the digital, the online, that whole world, and it's gotten sticky. And people are are there, and they're there more often. And I think that's a combination of things that we're seeing in a lot of these various names. I think a name like Gap all of a sudden became a little bit cooler because of the fact that, yeah, they've got the online, that part's not the cooler part. But how about Kanye West? How about uh, Biles, the uh, gymnastics? They've got celebrity type folks out there that are are really being the pitch people now and I think that's really big for for some of these companies that's a stock that hit 37 bucks today it's I believe it's another all-time high so we continue or at least multi-year high so we continue to see that type of movement right now. And it's a hybrid society. So yeah, I'm one of those guys who's wearing a pair of shorts right now. But it it gives me the opportunity Ah. to. Ah. Busted, busted. (laughs) And it gives me the opportunity to do that because you know what we're doing, but we still go out, people are still going out to dinner. I mean, not every state is completely shut down and everything is starting to open up a little bit more with vaccines and everything else. So yes, people will be buying some of the other items that they need to that do have you know buttons and do have zippers and all the rest of that
0: tim you're raising your hand you have a question
4: comment yeah, Mel, can you can you
2: ask can you ask pete if if when he goes out to dinner that he actually takes off the shorts and puts on a pair of long pants
0: well you, i think you just asked the question to pete uh, my guess is that he still wears shorts depending on the venue but probably shorts is the primary i don't know pete what do you say
5: that's
4: a, Mel, you read it like a book. I'm telling you right now, that's that Harvard education right there because, yes, I mean, it, it depends on the restaurant. But, yeah, it's about a 50-50 call. But if it's somewhere nice, then short, you know, shorts are probably not really what I need to be having on. So I have to go to the pants.
0: I think it's more that we've just known each other for a very, very long time. Guy, inherent in the question that I originally asked Pete in terms of the trends of the market, the reopening trade, the retail trade going, continuing to go higher while we still have the continuing crush of the higher valuation names in the stock market. Inherent in that is sort of a, a pairs trade question. Is this a pairs trade to put on? Because I think that if it is, we should caution viewers that XRT, if you're, if you're going long XRT, you're not getting a piece or big piece of, of a target of a Home Depot. You're, it's not that trade. The top holdings of the XRT are names that you may not have thought of, like a Vroom. Academy Sports and Outdoors, Leslie's, Hibbetts Sports, American Eagle Outfitters. I mean, it's an interesting bunch. It used to be GameStop at one point in the frenzy, but it got knocked down.
1: Yeah, it's a, no, it's interesting. I think you're talking about a broader market question. And listen, I do think these retail names can continue. You know, I, I'll bring up one more just to add it in. Dollar General had a huge move to the upside, then cratered down to 175. Reported earnings, the knee jerk was lower. Now look what that stock has done since. I think that's going to challenge its all time high. I only mention it because I think the retailers can continue to work, but can they support the broader market? Are they big enough to help this broader market continue? I don't know what the answer to that is, but we've heard over the last couple of weeks from Tony Dwyer last week, Mike Wilson. Uh, we heard from Savita from Bank of America a few weeks ago. They all echoed sort of the same thing that although they were constructive long term. The short-term concern them. I think Mike Wilson thought anywhere from 10 to 20% correction over the next three months. So I don't think the retail trade, the retailers can support the broader market, but I do think the retailers can continue to work. I hope that answers your question.
0: It does. All right, let's get more on the market action with Julian Emanuel, BTIG Managing Director and Chief Equity and Derivative Strategist. Julian, always good to see you. Um, When I read that you want to own consumer staples, that you upgraded staples, I thought, wow, Julian's really going defensive here. What's behind this call?
6: (laughs) So if you look at it, this is for months now, and I think it's part of the reason you're talking about retail. You said you've had this intense rotation in the markets. Uh, The winners became the underperformers. The underperformers started outperforming. So you recall we were on with you in early March where we got positive on large cap tech and growth when nobody wanted it that worked very nicely and here we are in may and the market is completely obsessed as it should be with inflation pricing power and supply chain management So what we did was we looked at at, uh, corporate transcripts so far during the earnings season and looked for the consumer staples names that have underperformed, that have good dividend yields because we don't think the 10-year yield is running away north of 2% anytime soon and and really have been uh, lagging in an environment where they have pricing power. Pricing power is absolutely paramount now. And I think, again, what we'll look for when the retailers start reporting are the ones that are telling us they'll be able to pass on their price increases uh, at the store.
3: Julian, it's Karen. Let me ask you, who are the ones that really do not have pricing power where you would seek to avoid that either group or names?
6: Uh, Well, so so for us, the, the other side of the coin is this whole idea of supply chain management. And looking through the same corporate transcripts, what you see, there are a number of industrials, there are a number of technology companies. There's a a few consumer discretionaries that really some of the the FANG type names that we know are under pressure because of the supply chain issues. They tend to be price takers for their components um, and not necessarily able to pass along the higher prices. It's more about the fact that those stocks also have been high multiple outperformers in an environment where we think ultimately the focus on inflation, the fact that yields are likely to continue rising, even if slowly, is going to refocus people on value over growth. And those are the kinds of names that you know, we think are likely going to underperform uh, for the next several months at least.
2: Hey, Julian. It's Tim. So, right, you're talking about value over growth. You're talking about rotation. And in reading your notes, you 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 mentioned that the rotation themes seem to be much shorter lived. Can you explain that and that that's a negative to me? Uh, the sense that we've had a lot of rotation back and forth, cyclicals uh, to 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 some of the high growths, to you know value to growth, uh, mega cap tech, uh, et cetera. It, to me suggests a lot of breadth in the market, but you seem concerned. So explain that, please. Well,
6: so this is a, a long term versus short term picture, Tim. Long term, the fact that there is breadth in the market is, is decided positive. The average bull market of the last hundred years is over four years in length and rallies over 150 percent. We're 13 months in, we're 90% off the bottom. So long term, we think there's more to go. But in the short term, when you think about it, you tend to wanna be able to identify a discrete leader, whether it's sector, style, market cap, what have you. And that narrative has sort of been lost. And when we combine that with uh, what we've seen the last two weeks with the VIX rising simultaneous to the S&P 500 rising, that has almost every single time, certainly in the last three years, been followed by a pullback.
0: Julian, great to speak with you, as always. Julian Emanuel of BTIG, whose price target for the S&P 500 is still 4,000 uh, by the end of the year. And so, Guy, that is, you know, roughly 190 S&P points lower from where we closed today. Do you agree with the call of, of you want to be long staples?
1: I don't think it's unreasonable. I mean, you're looking for places where valuation sort of makes sense. I mean, they're not, they haven't gotten crazy. So and, and I got to tell you, the move in some of these semis is absolutely concerning. I mean, we'll probably talk about that again in the show. But you know, you've had some great earnings releases out of so many of these names. And the price action has been, in a word, lousy. So maybe Julian is on to something. And he echoes a lot of things that the three people I talked about before it so, said as well. So you know, I, I, I sort of like what Julian's putting down, and I sort of dig him generally, so good for him.
0: <laughs> Coming up, the Twitter tumble. The social media stock falling again today. It's now down nearly 20 percent since reporting earnings last week. So is it time to buy this weakness? We'll bring you the trade later. We're gearing up for Lyft. The company reports results tomorrow after the bell. We've got your setup into earnings. Stay with us. Much more Fast Money after this quick break. Welcome back to Fast Money Shares of Twitter. Falling again today despite reports of big-name investors buying in during the company's recent nosedive. Kathy Wood's ARK Invest purchasing more than 1.3 million shares following last week's sell-off. And new reports today that Paul Singer's Elliott Management is buying more than $200 million worth of Twitter shares. Twitter is now down about 16% since the reported results after the bell on Thursday. What was interesting, I thought, about today's price action was that we knew that Kathy Wood at the open bought Twitter shares on the pullback. The stock was down. What turned it around was the report that Elliott Management stepped in to buy $200 million worth of shares. Karen, I know you you noticed that too. Yeah. The activists got the bid in the stock, but Kathy Wood with the supposedly Midas touch did not.
3: I know, I'm not sure why that is. I mean, both are great investors. Elliott, the activism is interesting. They've also, you know, we know that they have been active in Twitter in the past and that made me think, oh, how can they really buy stock? Don't they have an insider on the board? They do have an insider on the board, Jesse Cohn. But that would maybe prevent them from buying stock, except in a window where there's, you're open to buy, which would be after earnings. Ah. So I don't know if it was them. They don't, I don't will see soon enough if it was, I believe. But it, if they couldn't have bought before earnings, they perhaps could have bought now. So it makes me think, all right, that's possible. That'll be interesting if they, in fact have, we should see that soon, there would be a Form 4 filing from the director, I think. So uh, that, I think, is the catalyst more than ARC. I don't know what else is on their agenda. We know last time it was, you know, not moving to, having Jack not move to Africa and uh, being in the same time zone and putting some members on the board, which they did. I'm not sure quite what else, but... um, this could heat up it's interesting
0: yeah. although jack has tweeted that he or said that he would definitely move to africa at some point so it's not off the table <laughs> in terms of being in a different mm-hmm. time zone um there's also a report that uh users might be able to sell tickets to twitter spaces for instance so if pete was on a twitter space and decided to sell tickets because the conversation he's going to have with Guy on, on space is so hot um you could possibly do that and that might be a way of of monetizing pete i don't know if you see value in this dip and and i say dip and i probably use that very diplomatically because this is a twenty percent pullback
4: yeah this is a pretty significant pullback there's no doubt about it and you know directly from what everybody heard but i think that what stood out for me mel is why did they sell and what what the the main reasoning was some of the guidance that they gave seemed a little bit weaker than expected and that happens oftentimes we see that all the time especially after stocks have made tremendous runs like twitter had made so you know, I look at this as an opportunity. I fully understand why Elliot and I fully understand why uh, Kathy Wood would be interested in this stock on this pullback. Because when you really look at a lot of the growth numbers that they had, the revenue growth, their ad growth, everything, it looked really strong. The international ad growth as well. So all of that combines for me for an opportunity. And I think this is an opportunity for Twitter. So I can understand wanting to step in now because when you look at where the stock was not that terribly long ago, and the primary reason for the sell-off was, well, we were a, a few ticks less than what everybody expect on the guidance. Maybe they're wrong on the guidance. Maybe they actually were kind of uh, putting in a little bit of a softball in terms of what they were looking for, and they said, well, you know, we're going to go in a little bit lighter. I don't know, but it sure seems like that that was the trigger, and if, if that was the only trigger, maybe that growth is going to make up for that this quarter.
0: Tim? Are you a buyer of Twitter at 54? Would you be?
2: I think there's an opportunity. I, 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 you know, in hindsight, this is all very clear. Monday morning quarterback, et cetera. But that, that investor day was so over the top in terms of the optimism around how they are going to have these product rollouts. They're going to double revenues by 2023. It seems almost absurd in hindsight. Um, So I I just think the market got way too ahead of itself. This stock has been punished. And if you look at those intraday highs to where we set the low intraday today, uh, I think you're at 36% in 45 days. Um, Is it overdone? Yes, I do. Uh, Was the sentiment way too bullish? Clearly, uh, new product offerings are great, but this is the same company that we've been wanting to roll out new products and and really increase uh, and monetize for a long time. Why suddenly like that are they going to turn it around? I, I think... I think if they had to do it all over again, if they care about how the stock performs, they would not have delivered that message.
0: That investor day was what, in February, Guy, just before the leg up to its recent high? I mean, the market bought it up, bought what they were selling up, like nobody's business.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That was true for a lot of things, though, Mel. I mean, it traded 80 bucks. I mean, it's off 30 percent since then, pretty much in a straight line. I thought it would hold 59. That was wrong. But I got to tell you. Traded 80 million shares today. It's four times normal volume. I actually thought it traded pretty well today. And that uptrend from last year's March low, I think, is still intact. So if they just get away from this whole monthly average user, daily average user metric nonsense uh, that the market seems focused on, it should be focused on the things that Pete was talking about. Total ad engagement was up 11% year over year. Mm -hmm. I think today was the flush out in terms of volume and in terms of price action And to answer your original question, yeah, I do think you can own Twitter here at 55 bucks. All right.
0: We've got a lot more ahead here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next.
1: Spring
5: is in the air.
4: And the Chartmaster has three names blooming with opportunity as we kick off the month of May. Carter Worth joins us with his picks. And later, the ant gets squashed. Fidelity having Ant Group's valuation. But one of our traders says
5: that's great news for one of their top holdings. We'll tell you why when Fast Money returns.
7: Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand.
0: Breaking news on the COVID vaccine front. Let's get to Bertha Coombs. Bertha.
3: Melissa, two bits of news on COVID vaccines. First, biotech firm Vaxart is surging after hours after the company said that it saw positive results from a phase one study of its oral COVID-19 vaccine, saying early data points to a positive immune response against the coronavirus. Elsewhere, the FDA is reportedly preparing to authorize the use of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine in adolescents, people 12 to 15 years old, as early as next week. That, according to The New York Times, citing federal officials familiar with the plan. That would certainly make for a whole new ballgame for this summer, Melissa, and certainly back to school.
0: Yep. Bertha, thank you. Bertha, comes with some good news on the vaccine front. Vaxart, by the way, VXRT is shy of a billion dollars and is very volatile in terms of intraday swings here. I don't know if you've seen this one, Um, but it's up 200 percent over the past 12 months, down 18 percent in the past three. So it's up on a daily basis, 10 or 12 percent. One of these really sort of binary um, lottery ticket sort of uh, biotechs in terms of how it reacts to vaccine news. Pete, where do you go on this trade? There's the Vaxart, these sort of smaller biotech companies out there that could benefit. Yeah. And then there's also the, the accelerated potentially reopening because of a younger demographic that can be vaccinated now.
4: Yeah, it's very interesting, Mel. And as a matter of fact, that Vaxart, we've had a lot of option activity in there. It's been absolutely crazy. Um, and the fact that its market cap is up where it is, we actually can actually talk about it, which is kind of nice. But I'll tell you what, it's been an absolutely unbelievable performer, as you were just pointing out, but it has had a lot of volatility up and down. I love that name. I think they're one of the ones that reacts the very most, I think, when we hear any kind of news there. I'm also in J&J, not because of this reason alone, but certainly when you're talking about vaccines and Pfizer as well, I think that there's a great uh, piece for each and every one of those. But I think the reality is, VaxArt, if you're looking for something a little bit closer to go right at vaccines, right at something like COVID, this is one of those names. I think those other names, you're looking at great pipelines, great companies that have been around forever, and they will continue to flourish and continue to build upon what they've already done in such an unbelievable warp speed, as they call it. Uh, but, but I'm still amazed by this, Mel. I don't know if people fully appreciate how fast this was done and how accurate they've been at least up to now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move on here. Spring is in the air. The first trading day of May is in the books and the chart master has three names blossoming with opportunity as we kick off a new trading <laughs> month. Cornerstone Macros' Carter Roth joins us now. Carter, what are you looking at?
5: Sure, so what do we know? We know before we get to the charts, the S&P 14, 15 months later is about 20 plus percent above its pre-pandemic level from which it crashed 35%. So I have three stocks. They're completely different. One is just back to its pre-pandemic high. So it's unchanged in 15 months. One is down 20% and one is up 30% above its pre-pandemic high, but they're all at by junctures by my work. Let's look at them. The first, just one chart, it's CVS. So here you can see it. It is sitting here right at the level from which it crashed, along with all stocks, before the pandemic hit. I think that's an opportunity. It is unchanged. It is coiling, toying with the prospects of breaking out above those former highs, as we've seen in so many stocks. So a circumstance that is viable. Look at the next stock. It's a totally different circumstance. This stock, AT&T, is down some 20 percent. You can see it there from its pre-pandemic level. But it's an opportunity for a different reason from my seat. It's a bearish to bullish reversal, a stock that has been basing and bottoming and is starting to show impressive relative strength and bullish price volume correlation with headroom, room to run. And the third and final stock is completely different yet again. Texas Instruments, a good and steady uptrend. This stock is way above its pre-pandemic level, 30, 35 percent, much more than the S&P. But you can see this order very orderly sequence. This pullback, this is exactly 10 percent. We just dropped from 197 to 177. All of those dips over the past year have been about that, 8 to 10 percent. And we think this is just yet another one. So it's a a viable moment of weakness. All three are different, but all are at bi-junctures, at least to my eye.
0: Carter, thank you. Carter Braxtonworth, of Cornerstone Macro. Karen, I know you like CVS.
3: I do, right. To my eye, which is different than Carter's eye, but I love to hear that or see that we see the same thing. For me, CVS is really a um, value first, right? Um, and one of the lesser thought about parts of CVS is their Aetna business. This was an acquisition a couple of years ago. And if you look what's happened to the other insurers, that, those have all done really well. And I think it is a reopened trade as well, both people getting vaccines, but going there and, you know, buying whatever sundries that maybe they bought on Amazon before. And I think that will continue. I don't think this is a one time only. I think we'll see people getting vaccines or flu shots more than they used to in the past. And so with the valuation here and um, I think the business has momentum to the upside. To me, this is as a value trade. This is about this is the best one I've seen in a while.
0: Of the three charts that Carter laid out, Guy, which do you like the best, CVS, AT&T, So or would Texas? you
1: rather, rather? I love that. I mean, I can play that game because I understand the rules. <laughs> CVS, Charlie, Victor, Sam. And if you look at it, November 2018 stopped at 80. I think we get through it. tomorrow, They report tomorrow before the bell, by the way. And valuations are reasonable. So close above 80, this suckers off to the races. And you have valuation on your side. So out of those three in the would you rather, rather, mm. CVS, Mel. All right.
0: Coming up out of the ether, Ethereum blowing through a new record high. It is now quadrupled this year alone. So is this the new Crypto King? We'll debate that the first Pete is taking the mound to pitch his next best idea. He says this stock is a total home run investment. We'll bring you the name when fast money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. The S&P 500 kicking off the first trading day of May with modest gains. But Pete says it is time to play defense. He's taking the mound for a fast pitch. Pete, take it away.
4: All right, Mel, I'm going to give you Lockheed Martin. And here's why I like this so much. When you look at their their new CEO, Jim Teichlett, this guy is absolutely unbelievable. He was appointed this on March 1st of this year, and it was phenomenal when they did because they have this rotation of CEOs about every five or six years. Somebody new comes in. You want to talk about leadership and discipline, this is a gentleman who went to the Air Force Academy, fought in the Gulf War, came back, went to Princeton. And then, oh, he took over American Tower and in 15 years turned it from a $2 billion company into a $100 billion company. And now he's over here at Lockheed Martin. I think he knows a little bit about defense and some of the aerospace business. Secondly, I always like to look at the fundamentals of of these companies. And when I look at these fundamentals and I see a company that's trading at 14, 15 times P.E., in the environment we're in right now, that says a lot about who they are, where they are, and I think the direction that they potentially can go from here. Also, when I look at the debt to EBITDA DOT one, that tells me they are not leveraged, which they are not. They've got incredible free cash flow, about $6 billion that they're free cash flowing. It's uh, it, Every part of their fundamental story is a pristine part of what I look at when I'm looking at their balance sheet. And lastly, when I look at this company, I look for growth, right? And when I'm looking for growth, I see revenue growth annually over the last five years of close to... Uh, When I look at the earnings, that's closer to 20%. That's every five years, this annual rate. Unbelievable. I think that this is a company that is way undervalued, that has plenty of upside. As a matter of fact, I just bought some shares today. So um, I'm I'm a guy who's actually eating what I'm selling to you right now because I think this company can go a lot higher. And it's a buy right positional stock because it trades in a fairly tight range and this is the kind of stock where I think I can sell options against my position for a really long time and maybe make some pretty significant money.
0: Uh, All right, Tim, you got a question for Pete. Pete.
4: Yeah, I do.
2: Yeah. And, and look, I share your your confidence in the balance sheet, confidence in the leadership. And, and I'm puzzled by mm-hmm. the performance of the stock it, it, is how much of this is yeah. just a, a view that defense spending is is moving away from these guys, uh, despite the fact that we've heard this story before. And frankly, I, I, I don't buy it. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. you know, what what is the you know, how, how do you beat up the, the bull case on this? Because, frankly, um, everything else points to bull.
4: Yeah, I'm with you, Tim, and I totally understand. And I think that's why when I, s- I mentioned buy right, what I mean by that is when you look at the dividend and you get the yield from the dividend and you add to that, if you're selling about a 10% out of the money option against this stock every single month, the amount that you're going to be able to bring in on a percentage basis plus the dividend yield, could be very, very significant. I'm talking about very much in the middle, well, some, definitely the double-digit sort of area in terms of return. So that's what I like about it right now. I wish it had better performance on the stock. It has not, but that's why I'm setting it up where I'm owning the stock, and I'm willing to sell some upside against it each and every month.
0: I think this is one of the m- more interesting fast pitches we've had because it's, you're not pitching the actual stock's performance. You're pitching the fact that the stock stays in a tight range. It's got a dividend yield, and you can sell calls against it. So it's a trade that you're pitching right. on this stock as opposed to the stock outright. Um, it's also, by the way, not headquartered in Minnesota. So this also makes it very unusual for Pete. <laughs> um, no more questions. time are <laughs> buying <laughs> <laughs> Pete's pitch on Lockheed Martin <laughs> guy. What do you say?
1: Mel, are you able to read my smart board? Can you do that, please? Let me
0: try. Rowan and Martin. (laughs) I can't read that. Negative. (laughs) Senator Ruth Martin, negative. Please continue. Lockheed Martin, yes.
1: Yes. Great job by you, Mel. Wonderful job. I like the way you did that. Absolutely. And we've talked about this since January. You know, I've said if Gandhi could be president and defense spending, to go higher. And if you look... Lockheed Martin Trough just around the time of the inauguration at around 320 or so. I'm with Pete. If you look at the price targets anywhere from 410 to 450, and I think that's where the stock is headed.
0: Tim, what do you say? Uh,
2: Pete, sorry, my my drawing's not as good as they they are when we're in person, but I'm a buyer of this story. Um, I I think the free cash flow yields of the company are extraordinary. I think the balance sheets, uh, you should have a lot of confidence as an investor betting here, and I think defense spending uh, is actually going to surprise to the upside.
0: Karen, you gonna round it out?
2: Yes, I rarely use the rocket emoji. I try to
3: create a lame one here, but so LMT, I like it, Pete. I'm, I'm, I'm a buyer. I'm always, you know, valuations interesting to me. It's certainly attractive here. I really like it. All right.
0: Well, the traders have spoken, but are you at home buying Pete's pitch on Lockheed Martin? Vote in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. We'll have the results later on in the show. Coming up, it's a bird, it's a plane. Nope, it's Ethereum. The cryptocurrency is starting to a fresh all-time high. We're breaking down the big move and what it means for the crypto craze. Don't go anywhere. Much more Fast Money straight ahead.
2: I knew there'd be a question
5: on Bitcoin or crypto, uh, and uh, I thought to myself, well, I've watched these politicians dodge questions all the time, you know, and 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 uh, I always find it kind of disgusting when they do it. But the truth is, I'm going to dodge that question. Of
2: course I hate the Bitcoin success. And I don't welcome a currency that's so useful and to kidnappers and extortionists and so forth. Nor do I like just shuffling out a few extra Billions and billions and billions of dollars to somebody who just invented a new financial product out of thin air. So I think I should say modestly that I think the whole damn development is disgusting and contrary to the interests of civilization.
0: Strong words. Oh, that was Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. This is, took place over the weekend at the uh, annual shareholder meeting of Berkshire Hathaway. Bitcoin moving slightly higher today. Of course, year to date, it has doubled. But the big story in Cryptoland Ethereum, the cryptocurrency surging nearly 11% today to an all-time high. It is now well above 3,000 thanks to the NFT craze and all the transactions. It's all about the network effect. It's all about the transactions that take place. One and a half trillion dollars in transactions in the first quarter alone, which is more than the seven prior quarters combined, Tim. It is amazing.
2: So the, the, the validation for Ethereum is uh, front and center. And whether it's the numbers you're talking about, whether it's 7, new, uh, 7 million new uh, Ethereum addresses uh, now to 55 million, whether it's the EIB issuing $200 million of bonds uh, on an Ethereum network, uh, you know, there's no question that there, there is use case, whereas I think people have questioned uh, what a lot of digital, to- digital tokens or altcoins and, and whatnot could be used for. There's no question. About what this could be used for. So, uh, I, you know, this is to me, for, for the skeptics out there, this is such an easier story to get behind, uh, especially in a world where NFTs have run wild. And, and that development in, in terms of digitizing assets um, is only just begun. So, it's an exciting time. I'm long, uh, yeah. it's, what it's worth
0: The non-bitcoin cryptocurrency universe is growing. Bitcoin's market market value as a percent of total crypto market value is below fifty percent, guy for the first time in in ever, first time ever, I should say, which is amazing. Think about it.
1: I mean, the whole universe is now two point three trillion dollars. It would be the biggest right, be the biggest company on the planet at two point three trillion dollars. And you know, I might you know, listening to Mr. Buffett and Mr. Munger talk, I am going to issue the get off my lawn coin, and I am going to. I'm going to make a fortune, because that's exactly what they sound like. I mean, the arguments are so 2012. I'd love to hear what BK has to say, or or what some other folks... I'm, I'd love to hear uh, what, like, a Mikel Jolet, who we've had on the show, say, and Michael Saylor say. So, listen, I understand why there's still some skeptics out there. I'm probably somewhere on either side of the coin, but no pun intended. But to hear those two guys talk, I mean, it's like 2012 redux.
0: Yeah, well... The market, the market tells the truth, right? So we'll see. Coming up, a lift on deck to report earnings tomorrow, but options traders are betting it is time to pump the brakes on this one. We'll break down the action. Plus, it's not too late to vote in our Twitter poll for Pete's fast pitch on Lockheed Martin. Cast your vote at our Twitter handle, at CNBC Fast Money. We'll get to the results at the end of the show. Don't go anywhere much more fast right after this. Welcome back. Here's a sneak peek at the Kramer camp. Jim is talking with the CEO of Lydall. Of Catch that full interview top of the hour on Mad Money. All right, big news from Fidelity today. The Wall Street Journal reporting that the asset manager halved the valuation of its shares in Ant Group. The journal says the markdown now values Ant at $144 billion. Just last August, Fidelity valued the company at roughly $295 billion. And check out the action today in shares of Alibaba, the stock finishing the day. Near the flat line, Karen, though, actually sees the write-down as good news for BABA investors. Karen, why?
3: Right. Well, it's not the best news ever, but I think it's <laughs> taken out of context, which is, look at it like this. They said today $144 billion is the valuation they're going to use to mark their Alibaba position, down from 295, $295 billion, as you said. So that's $151 billion um, change, Right. Alibaba stock at that time when they had that $295 billion valuation was $300. And yet the amount of the write down, which is $151 billion, if you take Alibaba's share, they only owned a third of it, and you take that gets you $50.3 billion. You divide it by the number of shares of Alibaba there are, and you come up with $18.64. That's how big the write down that Fidelity took is. However, if you look what's happened in the stock, the stock is down $63, right, since they had that prior valuation. So I think this is actually above where the street, this 144 valuation, is actually above where the street has this embedded value of Ant Financial. So to me, I, I don't think I think it's actually a positive because people must have had lower numbers in there. That $60 the stock's down, and yet only $18.64 of value is lost doesn't, you know, something doesn't, is, is a disconnect to me. And I, obviously I'm talking my book, I'm Long Baba I think it's cheap. I think that right here, I don't know, I, I would even say if Ant is valued less, that's fine as well. But one other thing that's really important, Ant is, the, they don't, Alibaba, from the position Ant, does not see anything in their income statement. It is only on their balance sheet, the value of the equity, right? So that's, this is just kind of noise. Blah, blah, blah. Put it all together. I don't see this as bad news at all. It, it was sort of spun that way. It shouldn't be. I'm long Alibaba. I think this is way overdone, particularly on the Ant news.
0: Really quick, Tim, um, on Alibaba, you, you've long said that basically Ant is nothing. In issue or, you, know, you're, yeah. you don't consider it anything in the valuation of Baba.
2: Well, I, I feel as if we'd, we'd written it down in the, in, the, in the market value of Alibaba, similar to what Karen did with the, just a great sum of the parts kind of uh, you know, breakdown of, of Alibaba shares. So I, I just think when you, when you consider the assets here uh, and you look at the dominance also, though, of the platform overall, where their GMV is growing, where they are relative to their peers in, in Asia, mm-hmm. the fact that also look, they, they have publicly and clearly uh, said that they got ahead of the government more or less. Um, and that they accept their fine. And I believe they thanked the government for their fine. Um, This is exactly, as an investor, what I wanted to see. (laughs) Um, I think this is one of the most interesting value trades in mega cap tech.
0: All right, let's get to earnings now. Lyft is on deck after the bell tomorrow. Options traders aren't convinced the rideshare stock will impress. Mike, what do you see?
1: Yeah, so right now the options market is implying that Lyft could move about 8.4% or so higher or lower by the end of the week. That's somewhat less than the 10%. That the company has averaged the week they've reported over their eight reported quarters as a publicly traded company. Puts out traded their average volume by about two times. And the most active options were actually the weekly 60 strike calls. Almost 5,800 of those were trading for $1.20. The put activity, the result of some large put spread selling. So basically what we're seeing is some bullish sentiment, but not as bullish as we've seen in past quarters. Right now, the options market implying about a 52% chance that the stock is higher at the end of this week.
0: All right. Thanks for that, Mike. Mike Coe for more options action. Be sure to tune into the full show. That's Friday, 530 p.m. Eastern time. Up next, it is your last call to vote for Pete's fast pitch on Lockheed Martin. So do you think it's a buy? Head on over to our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money to vote. you got the results and the final trades. We come right back. Do not miss tomorrow's CNBC Small Business Playbook? Join Robert Herkovic. Melissa Bradley, Neil Bradley, along with Gary Vaynerchuk and more of the, trusted, of the most trusted voices in business to deliver critical advice and vital resources to help owners overcome extraordinary obstacles and stage a strong comeback. Check out the full lineup and register now at cnbcevents.com slash playbook Time to reveal whether you at home are buying Pete's fast pitch on Lockheed Martin. Survey says home run, home run Pete, you win. 60% of voters are playing offense with defense. LMT, Nice win. <laughs> Time for the final trail. Let's go around the horn. Pete, the victor, what do you say?
4: Well, I got to go with Lockheed Martin. I, I think they're right. I feel like I'm right, so I think it's a LMT is the stock to buy. Chairwoman. Yes, nice pitch, Pete.
3: Um, I like CVS tomorrow morning. Not so much. It'll be earnings, but I want to hear their outlook as well.
2: Tim. Good for Pedro. On the Would You Rather rather that I wasn't asked, I'll take AT from earlier off the board for 200, Mel. I, I think the debt story, but I think HBO Max, some of the parts, I like it. I feel like that's almost like bringing back
0: a guest. I don't know, Guy. What
1: do you oh, think? Oh, stop! <laughs> it's just, it's just like, it's just like bringing back the guest. The life. merit for Tim, Dollar General, DG going higher, Mel.
0: Thanks for watching Fast. Do not go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Kramer starts right now.